Last week, we introduced a new series that we are going to be in over the next coming weeks that we're calling Emerge. We're walking through the first eight chapters of the book of Acts uh, as we explore the story of how the first church emerged into the world following the resurrection of Jesus from the dead on Easter Sunday. We believe there's help and there's hope and there's guidance for us in the current season that we're in and the challenges of COVID-19 and this coronavirus pandemic and uh, continuing to be stuck with our stay-at-home orders. As we look at the story of how the early disciples waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we're launched into a whole new experience of life and ministry through the power of God at work in their lives. We think that there are messages for us that can also give us hope and guidance and direction. We uh, introduced last week that we're, we're asking questions. Uh, what will emerge in our church as a result of having gone through this difficult season together? What will emerge in me or, or what will emerge in you, in us, as we give ourselves to the presence of God and his guidance and call in our lives? Is it possible as we take an even broader perspective, as we look at what's happening in the world, that we are entering into a new time of reformation in the church, that the church is changing and that we are being reformed in new ways in this season? Is our experience of this global pandemic not simply a, a one-off, standalone experience that has nothing to do with the larger movement of God in the world, but is something that God can use to further advance his kingdom in this time? And if so, in answer to all of these questions, how do we begin to discern the movement of God's spirit in our lives? Preparing ourselves to become a part of the new thing that God wants to do in us, in his church, and in his world. In that sense, uh, I want to invite us to see in the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, an invitation to open our hearts and to open our minds to the new thing that God might be wanting to do in you and in us. The Apostle Paul tells us, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. We love God, and he's prepared good things for us. And so in that spirit, I invite you to pray with me again as we spend time looking further into the book of Acts this morning. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you that you are a God who moves in our lives. You are not a God who stays silent, but you are a God who speaks. You, you speak through your prophets, you speak through your word, and ultimately you spoke through your son, Jesus whose very life became a testimony of your incredible, unfailing, unconditional love for each one of us. So that we know today that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're going through in this moment, there is nothing that can separate us from the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection, in chapter 28, we see Jesus commission his disciples and command them to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them 
uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teaching them everything that Jesus had commanded. But here in the book of Acts, where we're uh, focusing our series on today, we get a little bit broader view of this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in this time immediately following the resurrection. And what we saw last week in, in chapter one is that Jesus' initial strategic strategy for going into the, all the world was not actually go, it was wait. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. And we talked about last week how this gift is, is, is the gift of the, the spirit of God himself, which he promised uh, that if we would wait, which is not a, a passive waiting, like sitting around just doing nothing, but it's, a, it's an active waiting. It's a, it's a watching. It's a paying attention. It's a seeking the presence of the spirit in our lives then he will fulfill that promise and the Spirit will come. It's also a, a, a waiting for the gift of one another that as we receive the Spirit of God in our lives, we are gifted the gift of others who also share that same Spirit. And so the experience of Christian community becomes a part of the ways that we discover that we experience the Spirit of God in our lives through our relationships with other believers as we share our lives together. And then finally, it was uh, an invitation to wait for the gift of power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The reality is that we recognize that in our own weakness and in our own brokenness, in our own sinfulness, even as Christians, we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. We can't fulfill God's purposes and God's call on our lives without the presence and the power of his spirit at work within us. And so maybe the larger question for each of us today and in this season is what are we waiting for? What are we watching for? What are we looking for? What are we seeking in our lives? We're going to spend several weeks working through chapter 2 of Acts because there's so much going on in this second chapter of Acts that I don't want us to miss any of the deeper meaning and value for, for us. So for today, we're, we're going to talk about how Acts 2 simply introduces the emergence of this gift that the Father promised. And then next week, we'll explore more deeply the meaning and purpose behind the gift as we see the crowds who gather to come to see what's happening ask the critically important question, what does this mean? But we pick up the story today in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. The day of Pentecost is a Jewish festival that happens 50 days after the Feast of Passover. That's where the word Pentecost comes from. Penta means 50. 50 days after the Passover is the Feast of Pentecost, which was often called the the Day of First Fruits. It's celebrated at the beginning of the wheat harvest every year. And in the Jewish tradition of that time, the, the first sheaf or bundle of barley grain was offered to God as an offering at Passover. And then 50 days later, the first sheaf or, or bundle of wheat was offered to God as an offering at the Feast of Pentecost. Jewish tradition also taught that Pentecost marked the day in the past historically when the Israelites were given the law of God. And so I think it's interesting as we look at the story and we we understand what is happening in the lives of the early church disciples in the larger story of God's people, that on the Old Testament day of Pentecost was the day that the law was given as a gift to the people But here on the New Testament day of Pentecost, the church is given the gift of the spirit of grace. Now, I think it's also an interesting aside. I couldn't help but be thinking this week as we heard uh, our governor Inslee here in the state of Washington announced that our own stay-at-home order was going to be extended till the end of May, uh, until May 31st, and that we're going to have to wait even longer until we can be freed from these restrictions and get back to some normalcy of life. Do 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 you know what May 31st is? It's the day of Pentecost. And and, and I don't know if that has any significance for us here for the church in the state of Washington, but, but maybe for our church in this series, as we anticipate the movement of the Spirit and God's call on our lives and the possibility that God might be doing a new thing, is it possible that, that May 31st is a milestone experience that God is preparing for us to be ready for the new thing that he wants to do in us? Maybe. The Feast of Pentecost was one of the best attended of the great feasts because traveling conditions were at their best, uh, uh, things were warming up, and, and, and it was easier for people to travel around, and so you had people coming from all over the known world to Jerusalem to participate in the Feast of Pentecost. And of course, therefore, Jesus' disciples were there too. At Jesus' instruction to wait in Jerusalem and to not leave, to wait for the gift that the Father had promised. And so they waited until the day of Pentecost, which would have been about 10 days from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven, according to the biblical story. But we know that the disciples had no idea how long it was going to be. It could have been, you know, hours or it could have been months. They were just simply invited to wait on the gift that the Father promised. 
But here in Acts 2, we see that suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a a rushing, mighty wind that filled the whole house. And they saw what seemed to be tongues or flames of fire that that descended and, and divided and rested on each individual person. And at that moment, it tells us that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now again, as I said, we're going to spend more time in this chapter, and so next week we're going to talk a little bit more about speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts and what all of this has to do with the arrival of the gift of the Spirit. But for today, on this day of Pentecost, I want to focus in on the method and the manner by which the Spirit comes and what it might mean for you and for me today and in the season ahead. We see that the story says that that the Spirit comes as wind and as fire. It comes to each individual person personally, but it also comes to the whole group at the same time. For today, I'd like to focus on, on what do these symbols mean for us and how might they be impacting the way that we experience the presence and the power of God in our lives this morning. If you think about wind, wind can be beautiful, right? Uh, It can be a a, a calming and serene and peaceful thing in our lives. I I love to open the sliding door on on the back of our house and just kind of stand in the doorway during this time and just feel the wind and the air. It's life-giving. It's refreshing, right? It's renewing. I don't know if you like camping, but I, I love camping. And whenever I go camping, I love to be the one who gets to build the campfire, Right? I'll often even build the, the fire pit to be, to be extra special, and I'll build the fire. And then once that fire is lit and it's burning and it's getting chilly and it's dark, man, I can sit there for hours and just gaze into the, the fire, right? Wind and fire can be calming and warming presences in our lives. They can be gifts that we need. But in the same way, they can also be challenging and tumultuous and experiences of of chaotic change and disruption in our lives, right? I I also lived in in the desert in Phoenix for many years. And if you've ever lived in the desert in Phoenix and you've seen some of those summer, summer storms blow through, you know that wind can be fairly chaotic. We had these things that they called microbursts, where the wind would, would pick up so quickly and so suddenly that, that it could snap a tree in half. It could blow the roof off a home in, in just an instant. Wind can be devastating. Or, or fire, right? Uh, if we can contain a fire in a fire pit or on, on a little candle wick, it, it, it's comforting and it's warming. But, but what if that fire gets free? What if, it, what if it starts a blaze in a forest and it, and it becomes uncontrollable? It, it can burn down an entire forest. And we've seen in recent years how, how many devastating forest fires have, have raged uncontrollably. In what ways is the Holy Spirit something that, that, that we want to be warm, warming and comforting and, and be bringing us peace? but maybe be resistant to the more disruptive ways that the Holy Spirit wants us to get uncomfortable and experience the power and the change that God has for our lives. We think about the story of Jesus who had a a midnight meeting with the religious leader named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. 
Jesus answered Nicodemus in verse 5 saying, uh, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so we see that the Holy Spirit, when it comes as a gift, it comes as unseeable movement. It comes as a power that we cannot identify in the moment, but we can see the evidence because of the results that it produces. It comes as a, as a fire that, that, that might burn, and, and we know in the Bible that fire is often a symbol of purification, right? And so we see this fire come on the disciples, but it's not a, a consuming fire that actually burns them in a literal sense. It's a, it's a spiritual fire that somehow is designed to, to, to create a new sense of passion, to ignite an energy, to, to inspire in a whole new way. And I'm wondering for you this morning, for me this morning, do you feel stuck in any way in your own life? What is it that you're waiting for? What are you seeking? What are you longing for in your life? And, and, and do you feel restricted in any way, not only physically as we're locked into our homes, but, but, but spiritually and personally? Uh, how might God be inviting you to see that he wants to do a new thing? He wants you to experience the wind of his spirit as a movement in your life. He wants to get you unstuck, to free you up, to get you on a new path again today. How might be God be wanting to move you out of the place where you've been and into a new experience of his presence and his power in your life? If we think about this, this wind, we know that in the, the Greek language, it was, the word was pneuma. And in the, the word pneuma that is translated wind is the, is the same word that was translated spirit. And we know that this, this wind and this spirit that Jesus says you can't see or tell where it comes from or where it goes, nonetheless, you can identify it because it creates results by creating movement in our lives. That same wind, that, that pneuma in the Greek is translated in the Old Testament from the Hebrew, the word ruach, which also means breath. And we think about this wind, this spirit, this movement of God that can come into our lives as a gift and, and get us unstuck and free us up and move us out in new directions is the same wind that was hovering over the waters in creation. It's the same breath that was breathed onto Adam and Eve to bring life into these new bodies that God had created. And in the vision of Ezekiel, it was the same breath of God that inhabited the dry bones in the valley uh, that, that brought new life to those that were dead. In what ways does the, the wind of God or the breath of God represent a new movement of God in your life and in my life? and in our church today. But the Spirit also comes as fire. As the fire of God rages in our lives, biblically, fire becomes that purifying, clarifying, 
testing season that God often has for us. If we think about how all of the offerings that were brought to God in the Old Testament were brought to the fire, and they they were burnt uh, on on the altar, and it was the fire that, that purified the sins of God's people. And we think about those times when, when God wanted to affirm that an offering was, was of him or it was acceptable. And we, th- we, we think uh, of God sending down fire to heaven to light the altar itself. God lights the fire. Do you ever feel dry or passionless or somewhat depressed Maybe not able to understand how to renew a sense of energy and excitement in your life in these days. I know I do. How might God be wanting to move in your life and in my life, not not just as as a comforter and as a friend, and that's an important part of having the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but but as a a purifying fire. The the, the Bible says that that, that we are refined as as in a refiner's fire where where the gold is melted so that the dross or the impurities are are, are able to to rise to the top so they can be removed and what's left is just the pure, good gold that we long for. How might God's fire Want, be wanting, how might he want to ignite a new passion in you for, for that sense of purity, for that clarity of focus of what God's will and God's purpose is for your life? We had a strategic planning meeting yesterday with our staff and our leadership team, and, and over and over again, we, we talked about, you know, what, what are some of the things that are going to be obstacles for us being able to move forward in this new season, to continue to pursue and successfully achieve God's mission and vision for us as a church? And over and over again, everyone uh, shared and agreed that the word complexity is one of those things that are going to get us in trouble if we're not careful. That in our day with so many options and so many choices and and so many things that we could do, uh, a lot of the good things that we could do are not God's best things that he wants us to do. And so how do we we, uh, cut through the complexity of our lives to focus on the simplicity of what's most important and what God's best is? Sometimes I think God's fire in our lives purifies our own perspectives to reorient our priorities and give us clarity on what's most important in God's kingdom. And then the challenge is, are we able to let everything else go? The Spirit comes on individuals. It divides. It, 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 it's not just a whole people group that uh, uh, being a part of the group, you're, you're, you're in on it. it. It comes and divides and settles on each individual person, which I think means that God has a personal interest in transforming your life individually and personally, not just Faith Covenant Church, but each person as a part of Faith Covenant Church, each person around the country that's a part of the kingdom of God and a part of the universal church of Christ. God has a personal interest and a passion to burn in your life. How might God be wanting to come to you individually and personally in this season? Not only to renew a sense of passion and purity and focus in your life, but maybe with a renewed sense of purpose and a a renewed sense of God's calling on where he's leading you to go and how he wants you to use the gifts that he's given you and to be guided and 
developed by his spirit. How might this season be an opportunity for you to understand that God has created you in a very unique and special way? And he's prepared things for you to do that only you can do. And as you step out and begin to do those things, even in very simple and small ways, you will have a new experience of the presence and the power of his spirit because you're experiencing the very purpose and meaning of why he created you the way he did. The spirit also comes on groups, right? They were all filled with the spirit together. And and I think that's one of the really important things that we often miss about what it means to be a part of a church, right? A church isn't a building on a corner that we come to for an hour on Sunday morning, and then we go home and we go about our weekday lives. The church is a community of people that is formed by the presence of God's Spirit. And therefore, I think we we miss the, the gift of the Spirit in ways if we don't understand how important it is that not only do we need to be connecting with other believers in very intentional ways so that we experience the Spirit together, but God may want us to use the gift of the Spirit He's given us to be a blessing to someone else. And so maybe the question in the season ahead as we, as we explore how God is moving and purifying and giving us a new passion is who might be God putting on your heart to be a blessing to in the season ahead? Maybe it's a simple phone call to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call periodically just to check in, to say, hey, I, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I want to pray for you. Or, or maybe it's to take it even to the next step and to say, hey, could we connect online through a Google Hangout or a, a Zoom call and, and see each other face to face and maybe encourage one another in, in whatever we're hearing from God's spirit in our lives to, to become kind of peer mentors to one another, uh, to be accountability partners in, in staying focused on the journey with Christ. In what ways might God be calling us to weave ourselves together in new ways as a faith community so that we are more accurately and effectively fulfilling the mission that God has given us to go into the world and to make disciples of all nations? God never forces himself on anyone. And the reality is that he often waits for us to say yes to him before he comes to invade our lives with the wind and the fire of his presence. And yet the reality is God also never gives up on anyone. He gently but persistently and faithfully pursues us so that no matter how far we try to run or no matter how many times we resist him or pretend that he's not there or turn our back and try and just do things our own way, he continues in his own hope and faith and love to stay with us and to pursue us and to to knock on the door of our heart so that we will one day hopefully be able to, in trust and faith, Say yes to the gift of his spirit in our lives. He offers us the movement and the passion that can only come when we allow him to enter in and to do a work in us. When Jesus emerged out of the tomb at Easter, he turned the world upside down. 
The lifestyle of his disciples was transformed forever. The church began to spread in the midst of and sometimes even because of difficult circumstances and the way that Christians responded to the difficult circumstances that they found in the world became a testimony to the truth of the gospel and the power and the presence of God's spirit in their lives. And still for us today, like Lazarus out of the tomb, the living Lord calls us to come forth, to emerge, to rise from the dead and into into a newness of life that comes through the presence of the wind and the fire and the power of his spirit at work in our lives. And there's nothing that we need to do to experience that power other than to humble ourselves, submit ourselves to him and say, yes, Lord, come into my life. Blow through my heart, blowing out the dust and the filth and the muck that is there. Burn a new passion in me and reignite in me a heart for your kingdom and a heart for others and a heart to see my life make a difference, to have purpose and meaning and value in the world. And as we turn our hearts to this this presence in our lives, what we discover is that presence is the very presence of Christ in us. I want to invite you to take a couple minutes and watch a video with me and reflect on the invitation that God has for you to receive the Holy Spirit in a fresh and a new way today. Let's watch this video and then at the end, we'll spend some time in prayer. Were you there? Alongside the Son and the Father. Were you there as the foundations of the earth were laid? When the morning stars sang together as the Creator shut in the sea with doors? When he proclaimed his authority and sovereignty over all of the universe, the universe, over all of its elements, the land, the ocean, and the heavens, I can't see you. I can't see you. To what world do you belong? You are not flesh nor blood. Do you belong to the cosmic powers that live in the heavenly places? It is said that they shall fear your name from the west, and your glory will rise out of the sun. You will come like a rushing stream driven by the wind. Why wind? Wind that pours out over me and breathes life to the dust and into dried bones? thundering from heaven that filled that entire house with tongues of flame flames that baptize me in holy fire why fire is this the same fire that created the heavens is it possible can that same power live inside of me
Holy God, we thank you that you love us, that you are with us, and that you invite us again today to receive the gift that you've promised, the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, for those of us who are ready and who are able and who are willing, we say, yes, Lord, come. Come into our hearts in a fresh, in a new way. Blow through the wind of your spirit. Ignite a fire down deep inside us, a passion that we cannot control and that we cannot contain. God, we know that we're not perfect and that this morning many of us are are, are living in very difficult and broken and hurting places and that that's okay. And that's why you offer us this gift is because we know we need your salvation in our lives. We need your healing. We need you to begin remaking us from the inside out. So I pray now for all of those who are praying at home, God, that you would would anoint each one through the presence and the power of your spirit that you would descend on them, not only in wind and flame, but as a healing balm and the oil of gladness would saturate our hearts and our souls, bringing healing and wholeness. And God, I pray for that fire. I think of that song, set a fire down deep in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. God, we need a new passion and a fire for your kingdom this morning. Not just for our own lives to be made new, but but to share this good news message that there is healing and there is wholeness and that there is salvation through your son, Jesus. God, through your spirit, give us a passion to share that love and that good news with those around us. Help us to to, to be able to invite our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers to experience the goodness of your spirit, maybe even in and through our relationship with them for the first time. And God, as a faith community, as a church, as we continue to seek your presence and to seek your guidance and to to follow your mission in our lives, God, would would you lead us in the days ahead? Would you help us to see how you are wanting to reform us and to remake us and to, to have us emerge with a whole new sense of your passion and your calling in our lives? And God, we will thank you and we will praise you and we will be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come.